Welcome to another episode of the Grace Over Grime podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lacey C. Robbins, focused on creating a movement of connection, collaboration, and community for women who are about business and work-life design. I'm so glad that you're here on today. From process to practice, grab your stilettos and let's go. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Grace Over Grind podcast. I am so excited to continue to connect with you all. Now, you need to let me know, are you enjoying the series? I know I'm definitely enjoying bringing it to you as a reminder, especially because you may just be plugging it now. But we have been talking about the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. Follow them and people will follow you, which is by... John C. Maxwell. And if you're not familiar with John C. Maxwell, some people consider him like the father of leadership. Um, You know, he definitely is an OG in these leadership streets, that's for sure. And this is a particular book that I received, believe it or not, my first year as a principal that I just pulled off the shelf and started to read. Now, here's the caveat. I became a principal way back in 2003. I'm just now reading this book and it's 2021, 2022, depending on when you're listening to this episode, you can already do the math. That is a long time ago for me just now to be reading this book. But can you imagine how many of us have books on the shelf that we just have allowed to gather dust, right? We hear about it. Somebody might have mentioned it. You attend a conference and they're like, oh yeah, I definitely want to pick that up. And you do. You make your order, it drops ships to your house, but you never take the time to actually read it. Well, this is our time to actually read this, and I want to encourage you, come and join us in reading it together. As a reminder, we are going through three of the laws at a time, and then following the review of those three laws, I'm bringing on a special guest who can join me in the conversation about those same three laws, and then they can share their thoughts and their perspectives about it. Now, here's the rub. When this series is over, part of these interviews are going into the Million Dollar Inner Circle membership. And so the only way you'll be able to hear the full interview is if you're a member of the membership. And so you definitely want to make sure that you join to be a part of this amazing circle of women as we are learning from one another, as we're building rapport and building relationship. It is so vital that you are a part of this space. And that's where you can get all of these amazing gems as well. All right, with that done, let's get into the next three laws. So these three laws that we're talking about today are law number seven, law number eight, and law number nine. Now, law number seven is the law of respect. Law number eight is the law of intuition. And law number nine is the law of magnetism. So let's dive into this. Now, law number seven, Aretha said it best, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It's all about respect. People naturally follow leaders who are stronger than themselves. So if you haven't thought of yourself as being a strong leader, Maxwell actually used as an example a woman who he says, and I quote, she wasn't a very impressive looking woman, just a little over five feet tall, In her late 30s, with dark brown weathered skin, she couldn't read or write. The clothes she wore were coarse and worn. 
When she smiled, people could see that her top two front teeth were missing. She lived alone. The story was that she had abandoned her husband when she was 29. She gave him no warning. One day he woke up, she was gone. And it goes on and on and on. It talks about her employment being intermittent. And, you know, as you're reading this, you are thinking to yourself, golly, how is this particular person a person that had respect? How is this particular person a person who would be revered? Until you read the last line when it says, who would respect a woman like that? The answer is the more than 300 slaves who followed her to freedom out of the South. They recognized and respected her leadership. She did just about every abolitionist in New England. The year was 1857. The woman's name was Harriet Tubman. And I love how he opens this particular chapter talking about, you know, the amazing Harriet Tubman, because so many times we can underestimate a person's leadership. We can underestimate by looking at an individual that they possibly can't be a leader right? You may even be underestimating yourself, but it's the actions that made the difference. It was the actions that caused her to be seen as a leader. She had increasing respect the more her reputation and her influence would permeate throughout the country. And you have to admit, even though, um, you know, there were these enslaved masters who did not uh, agree with her actions, there still had to be a level of respect that was there because they put these continuous bounties on her head. And so while she found herself doing something that was literally, I don't even know how to describe it, like to imagine the risk that she put herself in for her greater man, right? For another individual, the risk that she would put herself through to ensure that these enslaved people to become the conductor of the Underground Railroad, there's nothing but respect is all that you can offer for her, right? Maxwell considers her a leader of steel because each summer and winter, Tubman would work as a domestic. She would scrape together whatever money that she could put together only to know that she would be heading back to the South and returning, you know, to try to find people that she could rescue them bringing them out of that enslavement, bringing them out of captivity. That was her whole goal. I love this quote that he says, I never ran my train off the track. This is a quote by Tubman. I never ran my train off the track, she said. I never lost a passenger. Southern whites had put a $12,000 bounty on her head. Now think about it. It's the 1800s. Now, $12,000, you know, that might be substantial, depending on your perspective, in 2021, 2022. But it's the 1800s. So that was considered like a fortune way back then. But there was a level of respect that had to have been there because there were even individuals who referred to her as General Tubman. Now, to me, that is the essence of the law of respect. It's knowing that she was in a position that people would not have respected her. They would not have revered her. Just seeing her off, you know, to the side, she would have been ignored. But yet she did everything that was possible to ensure that the people that she knew, people that looked like her, could be set free through her leadership. So when it comes to leadership, it's not a guessing game. 
is not a, am I a leader or are they a leader? It literally comes down to this. People don't follow other people by mistake. It's not an accident. People choose who they want to follow. They follow individuals who, at the end of the day, whose leadership they can also respect. When people respect someone as a person that they admire, Maxwell goes on to say, when they respect you as a friend, they may even start to love you as a friend, right? A fellow individual who's a leader that you also respect is someone whose leadership is going to be like an eight, a nine, a 10. It's not going to be someone whose leadership is like a four or five or maybe even a six, right? You yourself, if you were to self-evaluate, all right, I evaluate my leadership to be a six. Well, you're going to look to follow somebody whose leadership is an eight or a nine or a 10. You're not going to turn around and look to follow someone whose leadership is a two or whose leadership is a three. So in general, followers, leaders themselves, we are following individuals that we are attracted to, right? We are following individuals that we are attracted to people who we know are better leaders than ourselves. That is the law of respect. You have a respect for this individual. This is part of the reason why you're willing to follow them. At first, if you find yourself in a room, the next time you go to a conference, test this out. You're going to look around. You're going to see people making tentative moves. But after the people get to know one another, especially if it's a multi-day conference or you find yourself it's a full day conference and you're with the same group of people all day long, you're going to see individuals who are going to start to literally move towards those who depict or show themselves as strong leaders. So how do you show up in the room? Well, you want to make sure that you're showing up in the room as a strong leader. (laughs) You want to make sure that you're showing up in the room. Sometimes it's from a position of simply listening. If you recall our last guest, Deanna Singh, she spoke about that, how as a leader, you can listen closely and more intently. And it also can be that you find yourself moving out of the way and being that guide on the side. And that too is showing that you're a strong leader. People change directions to follow the strongest leader. And people naturally align themselves and follow leaders who are stronger than themselves. So how many will you follow, right? Or how many will follow you? I love the story that he references about Michael Jordan. Now he talks about Michael Jordan. Maxwell talks about Michael Jordan like earlier in the book, almost towards the very first couple of chapters. But he brings up Michael Jordan again in this particular chapter. But in this case, he's talking about how Jordan, who I believe is one of the greatest of all time, at me if you will, how Jordan was adamant that he was only going to play for one coach, and that was Phil Jackson. If you recall, Phil Jackson would lead the Bulls onto a multiple three-peat, I believe it was three-peat when he was coaching the Bulls and coaching Michael Jordan. This was a respect that they had for one another. Phil Jackson, you know, he was believed to be the best in the business at that time, right? And it makes sense. Michael Jordan was considered to be the best in his business and his role at the same time. So you have two strong leaders that are playing off of each other. That's the law of respect. It's just possible that Jordan's desire was 
seated in a very, as a very young child, right, when he was playing for North Carolina. He knew that there was a potential that one day he could end up in the NBA, right? And so why in the world would he not want to play for one of the top coaches? So there are many ways to measure those who are following you. One, you have to always think about how am I showing up in the room? How am I showing up for those who are around me? And am I showing up as a leader that they would want to follow? There are many ways that you can measure how a follower is respecting that leader. But perhaps the greatest test of respect comes when a leader creates major changes in their organization. And I like to think about this. He references, you know, taking over one church for another. But I like to even think about this from a personal perspective and making great change in the nonprofit organization that I have had the pleasure and just been blessed to be able to lead. To make a great change in an organization could be like we've done with the name, with the marketing and branding, with the mission, with the vision, those things and making a huge shift that impacts us nationwide. We didn't get there overnight, but it grew over time. Just like Jordan get to, didn't get to be that NBA champion overnight. He started off in North Carolina. He then grew over time, and eventually he was coached by Phil Jackson, and eventually the Bulls became the world champions, right? And it's the same thing that happens for ourselves. It was a multiple conversations being had with our stakeholders, being had with staff, being had with the board members. And all of these coupled together allowed us to get to a place where it was like, yep, we're now ready to make this change. We're now ready to make this adjustment. That coupled together, the greatest test of respect was the fact that the organization was willing to follow, was willing to be in agreement that this was going to be ideal for us as a whole. Hey, ladies. So I had to cut into this episode because I'm so excited about the Robins Nest Consulting and our new partnership with the Elevate Collective. Listen, we are right dab smack in the middle of a brand new campaign the iFun Women campaign. This is connected to Caress. Yes, Caress Soap, the one that you know. They have actually added the first thousand dollars in this campaign of our goal to raise $75,000 to be able to open, wait for it, a brand new commercial space, a commercial space for women, for leaders, even some of the fellas can come on in where we can come together where we can make leadership accessible, relatable, but most importantly, transformative. Will you consider partnering with us? The Elevate Collective, we transform leaders. We are a premier learning and leadership development firm. And I want to invite you, any gift that you offer, no matter how small or how large, all of it will help to assist us in the next step of women leaders impacting the world around us. Thank you so much for considering. You can grab the link in the show notes so that you can be a part of this. And as always, let's get back into this episode. So remember, people who are nines and tens don't follow individuals who are five, sixes and sevens. So re just remind yourself, I'm going to show up as a 10. And that's just the way leadership works. That's the secret of the law of respect. Moving on to chapter eight, this is the law of intuition. And I found this really fascinating because as women, we're thought to naturally have a very strong sense of intuition. Leaders evaluate everything with a leadership bias. And 
it's funny because in this world of you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, bias has almost become a little bit of a bad word, right? But the best leaders know how to read the room or read a situation, and then they respond. They respond by seeing everything through their leadership bias. And as a result of that, they instinctively know, all right, this is what I need to do next. If you don't have a strong sense of intuition, I believe it can be cultivated over time, and I believe it can be cultivated through your experiences. I believe it can be cultivated when you do have experiences that you fail, when you do find yourself, um, you know, going through a circumstance that you didn't necessarily anticipate and how you respond to that failure. When we realize that failure in, in fact, is not failure, but it is an opportunity for us to learn from it and see how we can bounce back and become stronger or better. And it's also realizing that a challenge isn't necessarily a challenge, but a challenge can be an opportunity to cultivate the weaknesses that we have within us, right? It can be a chance to cultivate the individual that we are and so that we can continue to be stronger. So how leaders think is where this all begins. Because of an intuition that each one of us has, remember our intuition can be cultivated, it can become stronger through our experiences that we have, we need to evaluate once we get on the other side of that experience. Some people, they believe leaders are born. Some people, we believe leadership can be cultivated. And with great leadership intuition, cultivation becomes easier and easier. Others have to work really hard at it. But some people is simply honing in on it. And so think of it from these perspectives. Number one, Maxwell speaks to leaders are readers of their situation. So if you find yourself in a circumstance and you're trying to figure out what exactly do I need to do next, take a look at the full circumstance for the full situation from a 360 view. I knew leading this nonprofit that we had evolved, we had changed. And it was important, the fact that we had evolved and changed, that others realized it as well. There were members of the team and members of our staff who knew it and also had that heart's desire to be able to branch out. But how do we start? Well, this is where we had to read the entire situation as a whole. We couldn't just stay stagnant, but we had to make sure that we were cultivating what we wanted our thoughts to be and how we saw ourselves moving into the next 25 years as an organization. This is directly connects to uh, Maxwell's point number two, which is leaders are readers of trends. In the past, the organization solely focused on helping people to become teachers and a little bit of professional learning, but that professional learning was primarily done, or professional development, you also hear it referred to, was primarily done in person. So. If we look at trends, we know that online learning and online experiences are a billion, that's with a B, dollar industry. And because it is a billion dollar industry as a nonprofit organization, there really is opportunity for us to be a part of that. And with it being a billion dollar industry, we needed to also look at to what the trends were telling us. So some of the things that the trends were saying that we could really reach a market beyond just classroom teachers or beyond just individuals who wanted to become a teacher. 
we could reach a market of those who anyone who works with children, right? So physicians or school psychologists or uh, social workers, anyone who has a relationship to kiddos. So is it potential that we could offer training for parents? So looking at the trends then allows us to move into step number three, which is leaders being readers of their resources. Now, let's not be like some people who, when you're new to business, you throw everything at the wall and let's see what sticks, right? You really have to remember that when it comes to our resources, we had to take a closer look. What did technology tell us? We had to make some upgrades. We had to make investments to create an online platform that people can come and learn from. We had to revise our website. And we also had to remember and never forget that people are the greatest asset. People are our greatest resource. And because people are our greatest resource, it wasn't enough that we solely had a team of four who were managing and really running the educational development services or the ed services department, we really wanted to make sure that how can we add to the ed services department so that we can start to hone into and expand what we're offering. This is where we realize quickly we have to add to the team. And sometimes when looking at our resources from a financial standpoint, we're not always certain if our budget can support adding to the team. And so that might be a chance to take a step back so that you realize leaders are readers of people. This is the next of the the areas of how leaders think that Maxwell mentioned. And so being a leaders are readers of people, knowing that we needed to add people, looking at what our financial resources were telling us, that let us know we may not be able to hire somebody full-time. We may only can hire somebody part-time. It also let us know that, all right, if we want to expand, Perhaps it's not someone who has an echelon of experiences or degrees, but it may be someone who is still, um, you know, younger in their career, but it would still allow us to expand the team as a whole. Lastly, leaders are readers of themselves. It wasn't enough for us just to say, yep, this is what we're going to do, but we really had to think about how are we going to do this? We had to continue and we still continue even till this day having conversations as to how we can continue to expand and as we continue to read ourselves where we need to make adjustments, where we might need to take a step back and where we need to figure out what our next steps are going to be as we launch into this the next 25 years. Now, I'm very excited that, you know, thus far, we've renamed the organization, we've added to the team, we've shifted our mission, vision and values, and we've expanded our bottom line. But what's next? What is the next thing and what is the next step? This leads to chapter nine. Chapter nine is the law of magnetism. Who you are is who you attract. Now, I'll be honest with you all. When I read this particular title for this chapter, I thought to myself, is this some woo-woo? Is he about to give us the woo-woo? I didn't know John Maxwell (laughs) was about that life. But as I read it, I thought to myself, okay, This makes a little bit of sense. So I want to challenge you to do this activity that he gives us in the book and which he encourages you to get a piece of paper, get your journal, whatever you might need, um, a pencil, a pen, and to think about what are the qualities that you'd like to see in the people on your team. So I'm going to say that again, because you might, you know, need to pull over or hit rewind and come back and do this at a later time. But 
I want you to, again, think about what are the top qualities that you'd like to see from the people in your team? Write them down. Take a moment and simply jot them down. So they may think maybe things such as integrity, hard work, due diligence, humor, whatever you might list, there is no right, there is no wrong, right? But here's the deal that Maxwell mentions that I found fascinating because he states, believe it or not, once you list those, those people or those qualities rather that you're looking for in your team, you may be surprised that you are either attracting those individuals who have those qualities or you're not attracting those individuals who have those qualities. So, hmm, think about it. Those items that you listed, integrity, hard work, due diligence, humor, are you seeing those in the people that are around you? Because what I found so interesting is typically those qualities that you're listing Those are the same qualities that you would have within yourself because you typically attract people who are like you. Haven't you heard it said before? You keep hiring yourself over and over and over again. Well, it's the same thing that keeps happening when it comes to these qualities. What will determine whether the people you want are the people you get, whether they will possess the qualities that you desire? How do you decide that? You may be surprised by the answer. But believe it or not, who you get is not always determined by what you want. This is why you may have found yourself before thinking, I have hired the top person. This is going to be awesome. They're going to be amazing, phenomenal. And they start the job and it's a total wash. They aren't anything like you thought they would be. In fact, they're the exact opposite of who you thought they would be. It's determined by you, who you are. This is why this has happened. Now, I don't know about you, but I definitely have found myself in this position before where I think, okay, this person is going to be a great assistant or they're going to be the right person for the job or they're going to be phenomenal as a teacher, right? Because you remember, I was a principal for six years and you get them into the place, you get them in a position only to learn like, "Mm -mm, no, this is not a match. This is not a good option. And What I've learned over the years that Maxwell mentions in his book, which is exactly true, it's not them, it's you. You know, it's like a relationship, right? We say, it's not you, it's me. Yes, it is you as the individual, it's you as the leader. You're the individual who was either attracting a phenomenal team or not. And that's something I think it's really interesting and maybe even hard to kind of digest because while he has you and encourages you, and I encourage you to do the same thing, Make your list of those characteristics that you would like to see in an individual. And then he says, put a check by it. If you see these things in this individual, but if your leadership is better than average, you're going to put a check by it. So if you see this in this individual, check, 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 check. But if you don't see see that in the individual that you've hired, you're going to almost put an X there. And when you are going to go back and you're going to count, your check marks and your X's. And I know this is a little confusing, but be sure to try it on your own. And you're really looking to see, all right, how many checks do I have versus how many X's do I have? And if your X's outweigh your check marks, that lets you know you have to make some adjustments because you are who you attract. And your 
law of attraction, your law of magnetism may be off a little bit. Now, for my football fans out there, you know, he goes on, he talks about the Dallas Cowboys, who was my daddy's team, who is my husband's team, who's my son's team, not my team. But he talks about the Dallas Cowboys and how they were known as America's team. And they've kind of fallen off a little bit. And he speaks to that as who the owner has been, who the owner formerly was and who the current owner is. But these are the common things that he mentions that you want to keep in mind as key areas when it comes to magnetism. So if you're trying to think to yourself, okay, how can I turn up my power of magnetism? Here are the four ways to do so. Excuse me, the five ways to do so. Number one is your attitude. Rarely will you see people who are positive around people who are negative. Birds of a feather flock together, right? It sounds cliche, but it's true. If you find yourself around people who are always negative, that negativity starts to rub off. I don't know about you, but I can't even be on the phone for a long time talking to someone who's negative. I'm looking to see how they can get off. Or you might have someone who always brings complaints to you, but no solutions. They have a negative attitude. So your attitude is going to directly connect to your magnetism. Number two is the generation that you're a part of. People tend to attract others who are roughly the same age as them. And so if you're always hiring someone who is your same age, your same generation, your same background, looks like you, same religion, right? This could actually be causing you to hinder your progress as a leader. It there pays for us to be a little bit different from one another. It pays for us, literally, for us to be um, not the same when it comes to sharing and creating new ideas. Along that same line, it also connects to number three, our background. When our backgrounds are different, it actually helps us to be able to proceed and move further. There is research that speaks to this, that when you have a diverse background or a diverse team, the team actually ends up being stronger and can actually produce more benefits for the organization that they serve. Number four is values. So I like to think of like generation, background, and values all as related to one another. Your values are something that are true to you, right? And while you may change your goals, most people don't change their values. And your values, because they are rooted as to who you are, they strongly act as a compass, an internal compass even, as to your next direction as to what you want to do. This is why you may take the job or the contract with an organization who, you know, is about healthy earth and recycling as opposed to, I don't know, a Fortune 500 company that does, uh, focuses on pollution, right? Or, you know, natural gas or, or a company that, um, <laughs> you know, may be working more against the environment, depending on who you ask, right? And so where your values lie, that's also where your actions align. Here's the last thing that he mentions when it comes to the law of magnetism. And that is life experience. Our life experience is another area of attraction for people. I've shared with people several times how, you know, I was an elementary school principal. I quit my job. I moved to Europe. Well, when people hear this about my life experience, it leads to another set of questions. I almost can track which questions are going to be asked and in which order because it makes for a great conversation, right? Why did you leave? What, what did you do in Europe? How long were you there? Where did you live in Europe? <laughs> so regardless of what your life experience might be, that's going to lead to your 
magnetism. That's going to lead to people wanting to connect more with you. And then lastly, your leadership ability. It goes back to where we started in the previous chapter. Your leadership ability is going to cause people to be attracted to you. If they see you as a strong, powerful leader, it's going to cause them to be magnetized to you, right? And let me just add this real quick on a side note. As women, we may have been thought or nurtured into the the mindset that to be a strong leader, we have to operate more out of our masculine energy, right? We have to show up as a boss chick, right? Be a boss, boss, boss. But in actuality, you can still show up in your feminine energy. You can still show up and be a lady at all times and still be in leadership and magnetize people towards you and be magnetic in your leadership. Don't ever buy into this mindset or thought that the only way I can be a leader or be um, seen as a powerful leader is through that position or that place of, of being more masculine. And, you know, again, he doesn't mention it. Maxwell doesn't mention it in the book, but that's something that I've noticed over time and working with various women work of, in high performing, high powerful areas, you can definitely still tap into your femininity and still be a boss. All right. So let me add that right there. So here's one final thing that I'm going to share with you on today. Maxwell leaves us with this quote. If you think the people you attract could be better, then it's time for you to improve yourself as well. Mm, uh-huh. Let me say that again for the people in the back. If you think the people you attract could be better, then it's time for you to improve yourself. So how are you going to improve yourself? What's one goal perhaps that you have on how you'll improve yourself moving into the new year? It could be to read this book. <laughs> it could be that you're going to sign up for coaching. It could be that you've decided, I want to be a part of the million dollar in a circle. One of the most common questions that I get is, Dr. Lacey, it feels lonely being the boss. It feels lonely trying to figure this thing out. So how in the world am I going to be magnetic in my personality and in what I'm offering when I don't feel like I can connect with anyone else? And am I the only woman who's just like me? And my answer to you is no. You are one of four women that every woman needs in her life. These are the type of women that I meet with and work with in the Million Dollar Inner Circle. This woman's only community where you can learn from other women just like you. You can share, you can celebrate, you can help each other. You do not have to do this alone. And this is the, the most beautiful thing about leadership. While we have been conditioned to think if you're not grinding it out, if you're not doing this by yourself, if you're not making it happen on your own, then you're doing something wrong. But I believe that when you connect with other like-minded women, when the tide rolls in, all boats lift. And when you connect with other like-minded women, you too can start to see and experience amazing in your life. You too can start to see your own professional growth happen. You too can start to see yourself move into a new trajectory, be it a new position at work, be it starting that business that you've always dreamed about, be it writing that book that you've been putting off for the last five years. Whatever it might be, the time is now. You already have the magnetism. You just need to move forward in it. So I don't know about you, but we are going to keep moving through these next few chapters of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. I'm going to have a special guest with us on the next episode who's going to share their perspective 
on these three laws. As a quick recap, we talked about laws seven, eight, and nine today, the law of respect, the law of intuition, and the law of magnetism. I cannot wait for you to meet my special guest in the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. I want to remind you, please consider giving this a five-star review, following along, or sending this podcast episode to another lady leader who could use this information on today, who needs this reminder that she's got it going on. And as I always say, from process to practice, grab your stilettos and let's go. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Grace Over Grind podcast. Don't forget, I support current women leaders who are ready to turn their knowledge, background, and expertise into a profitable leadership platform. Remember, go from the process of figuring it out to leadership and practice. Until we meet again, keep those stilettos high.